Well, hey there, everyone, and welcome back to Game Store Profits. This is the show where geeks talk about God. This is episode 44. My name's Luke Navarro. And my name is Mike Perna. And today, we've been kind of hyping this up for the past couple episodes. I was downright giddy with the last episode when we got to actually announce this. It, it went from being a hypothetical situation to an actual schedule, uh, scheduled event. Uh, we definitely want to take some time right now to introduce Derek White, the geek preacher. Derek, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing wonderful. Doing great. Oh, we're happy to have you. Um, not everybody might be kind of as well-versed as, as well, the couple of us have, because we've been putting stuff up that you've, the, the content that you've been putting out on your page for a while. But, uh, so give, we'll obviously get into a lot of what you're doing and things like that. But just kind of give the, the short version of who you are, what your ministry is, and kind of how you got the, the name The Geek Preacher. Oh, wow. That, I don't know how short a version that is, but uh, who I am, <laughs> my name's Derek White. I, I'm uh, married. I have two children. I've uh, been married for uh, almost 20 years now. Uh, my daughter's 14, and my son's three and a half, and I won't tell you how old my wife is because I want to stay married for another 20 years. Uh, but I, uh, I am a United Methodist minister. I pastor two churches in Tennessee, but I also do a lot of what I call geek ministry or geek theology. Uh, I've, I speak at various gaming conventions when they want someone to uh, talk about faith and gaming or talk about the intersection of spirituality and Christian faith and a variety of games such as role-playing games or other geek stuff like comic books. I've also uh, done worship services at gaming conventions, uh, uh, most notably Gen Con. I've done worship services there a few times and uh, that's the short version. That's the short version, I guess. <laughs> That'll work. So. I, that was actually how, how we kind of got connected. Uh, a buddy of mine sent me a link to a YouTube video of you preaching at Gen Con, and just with the, the note of, I think you, you would really like this guy. And I, just, I think I started blasting every web page I had with, this guy seems awesome. Um, and so how did you get hooked up to be able to do a, a service? at Gen Con, because that's, that's the big deal. That's a big ticket event right there. Well, uh, that's, that's not a short story, uh, so to speak. Uh, back in the mid-90s, uh, I decided to look back into role-playing games. I thought I might be moving somewhere uh, very far away. Uh, I was looking at ministry opportunity actually in Alaska, and I uh, Back then, of course, the internet was not as broad and as grand as it is today. So I thought, what could I do if, you know, my wife and I end up living in a village in Alaska? We did not end up living there, but uh, I decided to check out some local game shops and look back into some role-playing games. Uh, I turned my back on them because I'd heard all the stories about how role-playing games, Dungeons & Dragons in particular, was evil. And I began to re-examine my thoughts on that. So I picked up a, I stopped at a game shop in Anchorage, Alaska, and picked up a, a, a game of Traveler. It's a sci-fi role-playing game, one of the first ones around. And 
I flew back home. We were living in Mississippi at the time. I flew back home with that, read through it. And when I got back home, I said, you know, I'm going to get online and see if I can find any Christian gamers out there and just see, because I'd really like to talk about this stuff, because I was familiar with J.R.R. Tolkien. I was familiar with C.S. Lewis. So I knew there were a lot of Christians involved with writing fantasy. And as I began to search online, I came across a group called the Christian Gamers Guild. They've been around online for a long time now. It's a really nice group, and it really helped me over the years. This was back in the days of email lists. Uh, message boards weren't even being used a whole lot then. And so we would talk and discuss things. We'd discuss faith. We'd discuss Christian writers of fantasy. And so I, I began building that relationship with, with the Christian Gamers Guild over the years. Now, how I came to speak at Gen Con Back in 2007, uh, I was uh, I, on the Christian Gamers Guild. Uh, the man, a man by the name of Dave Manningly, really great guy. Dave had, years before that, been putting on a worship service at Gen Con. He had talked with Gen Con. He'd worked behind the scenes, done all the legwork to get a worship service at Gen Con. And he was doing a great job with that. He's still doing a great job with it. Wonderful. And he posted on there that every year they don't just have a worship service. We also have a Christianity and gaming panel or a faith and gaming panel. And in 2007, uh, Dave said that he had asked Gary Gygax if he would be on the panel. And 2007 was the 40th anniversary of Dungeons and Dragons, if I'm doing my math right. It was also Gary's last Gen Con because he passed away uh, in early 2008. And so I said, you know, I'm going to go. I want to be a part of that. I want to meet Gary, talk to him a little bit, because Gary and I had already chatted a few times through another Christian message board online called Fans for Christ. So we talked privately a little bit, uh, had an email or two from Gary. And so I said, well, you know what? I've got the opportunity to go to Gen Con. I get to go to the panel. I know Dave. We've talked online a lot. And so I went. They already had someone uh, scheduled to speak for the worship service. And I just went, and they asked me to be a part of it. Uh, I, I said, glad to. I'm more than happy to. I got to help out with the communion service. I got to be on the Christianity and Gaming panel. But the best part was before the Christianity and Gaming panel, I, I got to meet Gary. And for those listeners who may not know, Gary Gygax is the co-creator of Dungeons and Dragons. And I'm, I'm I got pretty to confident him. that anybody listening to us knows who <laughs> Gary Gygax is. I, I Otherwise, so. they've I've kind of left us by now. The age of 25 who don't, and it breaks my heart. You know, uh, it, it's crazy. It's like meeting a Methodist who doesn't know who John Wesley is. I, I've seen it happen, but it's weird. <laughs> <laughs> but... Uh, so uh, before the uh, panel started, I, I left to walk out and head toward the panel. And I look up on the steps, and there's this guy smoking a cigarillo with the iconic ponytail, uh, gamer traits all the way around. And I realized this is Gary Gygax. And I said, hey, how are you doing? And introduced myself. He saw my name badge, uh, recognized who I was from our talk online. And so I asked him if we could walk over to the panel together. And he said, sure. And I said, great. He and his wife and uh, his Gen Con handler, 
came with us and we walked over there and we got to the panel about 30 minutes, 40 minutes early. And we get, I said, Hey, you want to get something to drink? He, actually, no, he looked at us and he said, Hey, I'd like to get some tea. And there was a restaurant in the hotel we were having the panel in. And I said, well, let's go sit down and let's go get a snack or something. And we sat down. And so I got to talk with him and his wife, Gail, for about, I'd say, 25 to 30 minutes. Uh, it was a wonderful, wonderful time. And then we headed up to the Christianity and Gaming panel together. And uh, he got to be there. And it, you can look on YouTube and you can find some of the Christianity and Gaming panel. Uh, and we got to walk in together, which is always a rather cool thing to walk into this panel filled with people and walk in with, right behind Gary Gygax. So that was a, that was a complete honor for me. And uh, the next so, year, I, they invited me to do the worship service. So what kind of reception do you usually get at conventions? Like, uh, we, we had the opportunity to talk to the guys over at Game Church who do, mostly their focus is more on video games and stuff like that. But uh, yeah. I, I was really curious to ask, to chat with them about their reaction that they get when they do this stuff at conventions, like when you walk into a Gen Con or a Gary Con or whatever other gaming con you might go to, what kind of reaction do you get from people? Well, uh, if I'm wearing my clerical collar, they think I'm uh, doing cosplay. So uh, the first reaction is <laughs> usually, oh, somebody else in costume. Uh, and, uh, but some of my uh, general reactions when people realize who I am, I have very seldom had a negative reaction. Uh, one time I sat, I remember sitting outside and this girl came up to me. We began to talk. She told me she wasn't a Christian. She was a gamer, but she had a good friend who was a Christian and she really appreciated what we were doing because this gave her some place to point her friend to. And so she said, I'm not a Christian, but I really appreciate this. Uh, you know, could you give me some more information because I want to tell my friend about you? and what you're doing. And so I gave her some information. I uh, told her some places online she could go. And I had, I have only really over, let's see, I've been actively doing this now for about six years as a minister. You know, I've gone to gaming conventions before that, uh, but actively as a minister going and just being a presence there. Over the six years I've been doing it now, it's going on six years. Uh, I would say I've had one negative reaction, openly negative reaction. And after about a 20 minute conversation with that individual, uh, I found out that he was not being negative toward me. He just had some bad experiences with the church and their view of his gaming. And that's why he left the church. He was still a Christian, still a believer, but he left the church because they had just hammered him for being a gamer, for loving fantasy, and for using his imagination. And so after a 20-minute talk, uh, we ended up, you know, leaving on good terms. So I've been very fortunate that I've had such positive reactions. I know some of my fellow gaming friends and fellow gaming Christians have not always had positive reactions, but I have really been very fortunate. And that is a, uh, a topic that we address often on this show. Uh, so often... The, there are churches and there are individuals in churches that really do look down on some of the things that we enjoy. And in my case, I was a gamer long before I was a believer. 
and uh, so when I came to Christ, I was about 17 years old. I brought with me all of my love for games, both video games, uh, board games, and uh, role-playing games. Um, and I remember sometime during that first year of being a Christian, uh, being sat down by my youth pastor and prayed over to uh, to separate me, to disconnect me from all of the negative um, spiritual connections I had because of my gaming. And I was essentially told that if I was going to be a good Christian, I needed to set these things aside, just like I might have needed to set aside other uh, sinful elements in my life. Right. Yes, I, I had that happen as well. Uh, I uh, did, you know, I, I was a gamer long before I came to faith as well. And the exact same thing happened to me. I remember going to a revival and the preacher telling me that I needed to get rid of everything. He didn't tell me personally, but he was telling, you know, in general terms. And as a new believer, I said, well, you know, this stuff must be evil. And he equated it with all the bad things that had gone on in my life before. You know, I think it's funny. We want to blame a book for bringing evil into our lives rather than we want to blame ourselves. Uh, I hear people all the time blaming the devil for something. And I tell them, I said, you know what? We can think of a lot more creative sins than Satan ever could. You know, <laughs> uh, we, we're, human beings are a lot more creative than, than the devil ever could be. And we could bring more destruction into our own lives. And so I don't see a book. Now, looking back on it, I don't see how that book could have done that. But I went home. I gathered all my stuff up. I gathered up some stuff I did need to get rid of. I won't tell you what that was, but I got rid of some things, and I went out, and I set it all on fire. And I remember doing that, and uh, looking back on it, I, I wish I hadn't done it. The idea of burning books is repugnant to me, but it was a stage in my life I needed to grow through. And I did need to set some things aside for a time. You know, that's why we practice disciplines like praying and fasting. I needed to put it aside for a time, but I don't think I needed to burn everything, destroy everything. And so it took me a, a few years to come back. You know, it wasn't until uh, I got back from Alaska that I really began to examine it. I will say Bible college helped me a lot, too, you know, move away from that. Bible college, you know, reintroduced me to C.S. Lewis and other things like that. Having a good Christian wife who grew up in a Christian home, who understood a love for fantasy also helped me too. And she's a great reader and my wife loves fantasy and fiction as well. And so having her with me during that journey helped me realize that I could return to gaming and that it, the gaming wasn't the problem in my life. I was the problem in my life. Well, I, I definitely think there's a lot to be said there because even as as we've spent a lot, like our very first episode was why we don't think D and D is evil. Uh, so there's there's lots of opportunities that we think that that you can use gaming and and gaming has been pivotal in our lives. At the same time, though, we always kind of put in that little bit of a caveat that says if this is something that's that is difficult for you, if it's something that takes you away from God, put that away. You don't get. You know, just because we say this is good for us and we think there's value in it doesn't mean in all cases, in all circumstances, you should definitely allow it. Just like, you know, you don't like, – I, I might go out and, and have a beer with my buddies, but I don't give it to my alcoholic friend. Like, you don't do that. Exactly. That's exactly right. Well, I wonder, Derek – In fact, 
Go ahead. I wonder if you've maybe experienced some of the same things that I have then, because like you, uh, I, I once I matured a little bit in my faith, I decided that I was ready to uh, to take on this issue and to look back into it and, and figure out whether this was really a problem or whether it was something that could be part of my life again. And in the process, I, I realized somewhat painfully at times that this was a part of me that was missing. And that meant mm. it was also a part of my connection with God that was missing. And wow. to, to come uh, to God and hold back this, this, uh, the, the creative fantasy uh, love for play person that I am uh, meant that I was mm. holding back something from him and being able to, to embrace gaming again, I really feel like it's been a a gift, an opportunity to embrace something that God created me to enjoy and to to really share with him. And uh, so I wonder if maybe now that you've come back to gaming, obviously you've had many opportunities for ministry, but I wonder how has it affected your personal relationship with God? Well, I'm going to tell you the biggest thing I've learned from gaming over the years. My relationship to God, you know, uh, uh, the greatest commandment is love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. And we often forget the second half of that, and your neighbor as yourself. And the thing that gaming has done is it's helped me increase relationships with neighbor, with other people. It's helped me build community. And in building that community, I've met God in the most interesting and strangest of places. <laughs> Because gamers are some of the most interesting and strangest of people. And so uh, that's the, that's what it's done for me. It helped me find community. I've, I'm Well, if you've heard my sermon from GenCon, you know how old I am. I'm 42. Uh, I started uh, into ministry uh, at the age of about 22, 23, somewhere along there. And one of the things about ministry that a lot of people will tell you is that it can be a very lonely profession. As oh, a yeah. Christian, as a gay, as a geek, I'm never alone. I have gaming buddies I can call up all the time. I have made more friends through gaming, built better community for gaming. Don't tell my church I said this, but I have made better communities <laughs> through gaming than I have I have made in the church. It's just that simple. I have gaming friendships that have lasted over 20 years now that are still going on. And I have church relationships that only last for the time that I'm serving that church. Right. So that's how it's increased my relationship with God. It's helped me, it's helped me build community. And I, I think it's in community. Uh, that we find God, you know, uh, that, you know, we're two or more gathered in my name. I'm present. And so it's in community and it's really built my relationship because I get to learn from people from all different backgrounds. I get to hear about all kinds of different spiritual journeys, people who come from church of Christ backgrounds, people from Pentecostal backgrounds, Presbyterian, Methodist, Baptist, non-denominational. So I get to hear all those journeys and different experiences of God. And it's really, really helped me. So you've had you've definitely had a lot of experience with gaming because you're the the three of us all have that common story. We were gamers before we were Christians. I was really curious though. You mentioned Traveler, so that means you've played at least more than D and D. I'm really curious oh, yeah. what 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 is your favorite system to play in? 
Oh man, see, see, you'll get me in trouble asking me that question because I have friends uh, who uh, publish. Uh, I, you know, uh, I'm really good friends so with Jolly So if you Blackbird. don't, if you don't list theirs, you're going to be in trouble. <laughs> well, I, I'll be honest though. I, I'm not. I, I'll be honest. Uh, I, I'm good friends with. Uh, I don't know if you've ever read the comic Knights of the Dinner Table, but uh, oh, yeah. it's a really good gamer. It's published by Jolly Blackburn, and I've got I've known Jolly since two thousand three, two thousand four, and we've gotten to be really good friends. And Kinzer Co. publishes a game called Hackmaster. Uh, I played Hackmaster a lot. I, I enjoy it. It's fun. Personally, though, I'm a rules light guy. I like rules light. I came into D and D with the uh, basic uh, box D and D set uh, with the Errol Otis cover. Uh, it was released in the early 1980s. Not the Larry Elmore co cover, but the Errol Otis cover. And it was rules light. It was very simple, easy to pick up. When I really got back into D&D &D again, I started playing second edition. I, I was playing it. I enjoyed second edition a lot. It was good. And then my gaming group wanted to switch over to third edition. And I had nerd rage, man. I was like, no, I just <laughs> bought all these books. I am not playing third edition. No, no. And I played it and I found out something. My wife was able to pick it up a lot easier than she could pick up second edition. Uh, later found out how easy it was for my daughter to pick it up. So I started playing third edition D&D. &D. We played that uh, for a long time. I played that, uh, played it when 3.5 came out. The rules just ended up getting rules bloat like any system. So I still really like D20 Fantasy, probably the game I play the most when I'm running a game. If you sat down and you said, Derek, I want you to run uh, a fantasy role-playing game, I'm going to pick up Castles and Crusades by Troll Lord Games. Uh, that's what I'm going to run. If I'm going to play in a game, it all depends on who's running the game. If I'm going to play the game of Hackmaster, if Jolly Blackbird's running it, I'm going to have a blast. Uh, if I'm going to play in a game of uh, any system, a lot of times, but the one I like to run, there are two systems I like to run. Uh, I like to run uh, old-style Call of Cthulhu, and I like to run Castles and Crusades, and I can usually run those pretty much on the fly. So that's what I tend to run. Anything else, I'll play if it's a good enough DM. Okay, I, I do want to bring this up, partly for my own personal angst. Um, I, I I recently got married. I'm, I'm coming up on my first year. And my wife, yeah, I, I will definitely shout from the rooftops for that one. Um, my wife has a really hard time. Like, we, we can't, I can't even play Elder Sign when she's in the house because it really <laughs> gets to her. Um, and wow. I'm not, I, I don't want to say that to, to speak ill of my wife. I, I say that no. because I know that there's a. This is not unique to her. That there, especially when you start right. dealing with your, with your, uh, D and D pantheon, or especially with Cthulhu. Nothing says good times like a dark evil <laughs> who's gonna destroy all everything and swallow up a universe. Um, yeah. So if the second the second you said that you run Call of Cthulhu, I, I'm curious as to how yeah. you interact with that stuff. Well, uh, you know, the key is, is you know, uh, separating fantasy from reality, but I also tend to have fun. 
you know, when I run Call of Cthulhu, it's not, and now I, don't get me wrong, I've played in Call of Cthulhu games that have been dark and gritty and scary, but fear is a healthy emotion. Fear is a healthy thing to have. First, I would ask someone, if you're playing in a dark and gritty game, do, do you like going to horror movies? And if they say, well, yes, I like going to horror movies, but I can't play it in a dark and gritty game, I'm going to tell them there's a disconnect there. Because a horror movie is going to be a lot more graphic than anything you're going to be seeing at this table when we play Call of Cthulhu. So if you don't, now if you have a problem with horror movies and you have a problem with Call of Cthulhu, I understand that. And everybody's tastes are different. Now my wife, for example, talking about wives, my wife will play in a Call of Cthulhu game, but there are very few horror movies she'll play. And now the reason is, is because when I run a Call of Cthulhu game, there's going to be fun in it. There are going to be things like that. I don't get into the deities a whole lot in Call of Cthulhu. I tend to, uh, and I, I'm a big H.P. Lovecraft fan. I, I read a lot of stuff. Uh, so I tend to view, I, in, in Call of Cthulhu in particular, I tend to uh, look at the things that Lovecraft pointed to more as alien creatures, kind of a hellboyish other dimensional thing. I don't look at them as necessarily divine beings. So, I, I, you know, that's kind of the way I, I deal with Call of Cthulhu. D&D is a whole other subject on how I deal with that. And I, I'll touch on that if we've got time. But, you know, if your wife has a problem with it, I would say, you know, hey, you know, that's okay, sweetie. You don't have to, to play it. Uh, you know, I'm just here having fun. Uh, you know, uh, you know, I know some people come from Christian backgrounds where they don't dress up for Halloween, they don't celebrate Halloween, or any of those things. And so we have to, as gamers and as Christians, we have to let people come through at their own pace. Um, you know, that's the problem is a lot of times we try and bring people kicking and screaming to where we're at. And that's where Paul's admonition comes in, you know, about it, what we often refer to as the weaker brother argument. Uh, which uh, I really hate it when I hear it used a lot because I think it's used incorrectly. But we we have to just let people come along at their own pace. And so if it bothers your wife, you know, as a you know a good spouse, you need to say, okay, I'm going to put that aside. It's just like my wife is not going to go with me to see a horror movie. Uh, the only zombie movies she'll see are like comedy zombie movies. My wife will not sit down and watch The Walking Dead with me. That's just not her cup of tea. Uh, on the other hand, if I'm running a Call of Cthulhu game, she's going to have fun because she knows there's going to be jokes and laughter involved. Does that help? No, no. That I, I, I definitely wanted to put that out there, though. I, you know, yeah. I, as our listeners will know, I, I'm, I've had that discussion with my wife, and I've fully said, you know, I'm not running Call of Cthulhu. Uh, I don't play Elder Sign when she's in the house. Like I, I also have yeah. the I can only watch Walking Dead when she goes to sleep. Um, <laughs> so I'm there with it's, you, man. So I mean, but I, I, I just, I just know there's a lot of people out there who, who, that's an issue for them. The idea of of certain subject matters and certain issues, and I, I love the fact that you brought up that that it it does have a lot to do with the game master. That's something that we bring up repeatedly. Is just it has to do with the game master and what that game master wants. If you don't want it in your game, you don't put it in there. Exactly. Exactly. Well, here's the other thing too. You know, uh, we live in a, in a world that is very much like the world was 2000 years ago. And it's also very different. 
And one of the things uh, Christianity has done in our culture, which I personally think has been very bad, is we've tried to shut down people who come from different backgrounds, who come from different faiths. We've tried to shut their voice out. And we forget that Christianity grew up in a world where other religious voices, religions we may not agree with, religions we may not like, but that's where Christianity grew up in a world. And so much of our Christian faith was based on using the world around us to help tell the Christian story. Uh, one of the, the favorite examples I'm sure you guys are familiar with is Paul's Mars Hill sermon. Paul gets up yeah, on Mars Hill. And so what Paul does is he's pointing to the culture around them. He's using a Greek deity, the unknown God, to point to the known God. And so we as Christians, you know, uh, we have to be able to find something redeeming in whatever we do. And that's why I turn Call of Cthulhu into something kind of funny and light. Because if you're not, at, you know, Lovecraft didn't mean for anything to be redemptive in there. Because it is meant to be dark. It's meant to be very nihilistic. So you have to be careful with it. And so when I read Lovecraft, I, I read it some just for the joy of reading. But I also read it, you know, just as a person going, you know, what was this man struggling with? What was the world like that he saw things so dark and so dreary? And so it makes me think about that. And then as a pastor, it makes me realize, you know, I've got people out there who see the world as a dark and dreary place. I've read H.P. Lovecraft. How can Lovecraft, who was dealing with this dark and dreariness that he put on paper, how can I help them deal with the dark and dreariness in their lives? And that's not just for pastors. That's for anyone, whether you're a Christian or not. You know, if you see something dark and dreary, how can you bring light into their lives? And, you know, you, you have to be familiar with what's around there. And so that's 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 another way I handle it. You mentioned your church, and uh, so I wonder how does uh, how does your congregation respond to knowing that the guy up uh, behind the pulpit on Sunday morning is the geek preacher? Well, uh, you know, in the United Methodist Church, one of one of the the good things about being a United Methodist minister is uh, our bishop tells us where to go. So I have often very little say-so in the matter, and they often have very little say-so in the matter. So when I come, they've got to put up with it. <laughs> one. <laughs> but, but, you know, the interesting thing is I've found uh, one of the things that has happened over the years, the majority of my congregation doesn't seem to have a problem with it. Uh, you know, uh, I am able to relate to people who may not be familiar with geeky things. You have to be very contextual in what you do. So if you're speaking to an older audience, you need to be able to speak to them in terms they'll in cultural things they'll understand. Uh, I have a farming area, so you're going to hear probably, yeah, even the geek preacher used some farming illustrations at times. Or we have a lot of fishermen around here, I might use fishing illustrations. But when I'm talking to the younger people in the congregation, or if I'm, uh, one of my congregations I pastor has a very good age range. We've got people, uh, we've got little kids, teenagers, uh, young adults, adults, parents, grandparents, great-grandparents. So a lot of times what I'll do is when I preach or speak, I'm going to have a sermon that's going to try and speak to everyone. So you might hear me hear me mention Twitter and Facebook, but I'm also going to try and relate it to something that others will relate better to as well. 
but uh, they pretty much know I'm a gamer. I know some don't know how to handle it when they walk into the parsonage and they look around and they see the first room they see is going to be my office. I keep an office in the house as well as one at the church. And when you walk into my office, you will see uh, one of the first things you'll see is a Dungeon Master's Guide uh, with an Afrique on the front of it uh, signed by Gary Gygax. So uh, I've gotten a few weird looks at times. I've had people say, hey, don't let these things change you. And I'm thinking, man, I've been doing these things for uh, all my life. You know, I wouldn't be the person you think I am if it wasn't for these things. So I find it funny when I get those comments. Don't let that stuff change you. Don't let that stuff get to you. And I'm going, uh, you know, uh, I'm already that person. <laughs> and, and you seem to like that person. So how is it going to change me? How is it going to make me any different? If if you already like who I am, how are these things that are going to be a part of my that are a part of my life longer than I've ever known you going to change me? Uh, so I, I've yet to have any bad feedback from my congregation, my congregations, at least to my face. Uh, but I have gotten some negative feedback from some other Christians. I have that has happened. Just on on because of your internet presence or or what? Sometimes on the internet. Uh, sometimes uh, when uh, other Christians have met me and they found out what I do and what I'm interested in. Uh, my mom, before she passed away, uh, had problems with me getting involved uh, back involved with gaming. She didn't know how much I'd been involved, and so she started hearing about it, seeing about it. Uh, and it bothered her. She was really worried for me because she knew how I'd been as a child. And uh, and so we had to have a long discussion about that. Uh, I had pro I've had problems with other Christians who have come across me online. And, you know, they tend to think, uh, you know, this isn't a good thing. Uh, I've gotten some messages via Twitter and Facebook that weren't the nicest in the world. But those those are the exception, not the rule. Uh, I have received much better comments, but what I have found interesting over the years is people who tell me they're not Christians, they're not people of faith, I've gotten better responses from them than I often have from uh, people who uh, who are good, regular churchgoers. So that, that's been quite an interesting dilemma at times. And you, you mentioned that uh, you've run games for your kids, which is I. This is my dream that someday, if my wife and I have kids, that I get to run them through dungeons. Uh, what type of gaming do you often see with your with your family, and and do they share the same kind of passion? Like, do, do any of your kids pick it up? Well, my daughter's passion right now is uh, her uh, Nintendo DS. I would say that's her biggest one there. <laughs> Uh, she's 14, so she uh, she also uh, likes playing, uh, you know, uh, games on her iPad, things of that nature. But I, the game, the most recent game we've played together is the DC, you know, DC Comics deck building game. Mm -hmm. uh, she she was okay with it. She didn't care for it a whole lot, but we had fun. Uh, we played that together. She loves going to gaming conventions with me. Uh, she has, I'm trying to think of something we've played together a lot lately. We haven't gamed as much together of late as I'd like to. Uh, but I would say my daughter probably does have a huge passion for it. Uh, 
our son is only three and a half, uh, so there's not a whole lot of gaming with him. Mainly that's building Legos and knocking them down or things of that hey, nature. You can't knock Legos. They're a beautiful thing. <laughs> no, 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 no. We knock them down. We're not, we don't knock <laughs> Legos. We knock um, But, uh, yeah, he's, he's usually, he likes to do that. He's actually got a really good imagination. We uh, got him a, a house. He wanted a house, uh, a dollhouse, actually, for, for Christmas. And do you know how hard it is to find a gender-neutral dollhouse? It's almost <laughs> impossible. It was either castles, which I was cool with. I'm like, hey, honey, let's buy the castle. She's like, no, he wants a real house. So I said, okay. you know. And then we looked at the other one, and it was this pink frilly thing. And my wife said, no, we don't want to give him that either. We finally found on Amazon this cabin. It's kind of like a woodsy-style cabin. And he likes to play with it. It has a bed where he puts his toy bear in, tucks his bear in, and has a kitchen. So he's already role-playing right there. So we're full of win nice. on that one. Uh, other games I've played with my daughter, we have tried some D&D. Uh, we've played a lot of board games together. I, uh, Settlers of Catan's a big one. We've played as a family. Uh, we play that a lot. Um Kill Dr. Lucky used to be one we played together. Uh, I can't find it anymore since I moved last, which really makes me mad because uh, you can't find, uh, they don't make the old Kill Dr. Lucky anymore. Now you have to buy the expensive board game, Kill Dr. Lucky. Uh, I, I hope you don't mind, but the name of the company, do you know the name of the company that originally uh, published Kill Dr. Lucky? Uh, wow. No, I don't. But. I they definitely know what you're talking they about. Yeah, they were called Cheap Ass Games. That was the name of the company. Literally, the name of the company is Cheap Ass Games. Uh, and what they would do, they were very cheaply made, but the rules were great. So they were usually cutouts of cardstock paper printed on. And so you did. You used your figurines from other games. You used your dice from other games. So it was really cheap. You had the rules. You laid out your cardstock board, and you played the game. And I loved it. Uh, and, of course, they've sold the rights to Kill Dr. Lucky. It's published as a board game now. And I lost my original, and I, I'm too cheap to want to go buy a new one yet. So, <laughs> Well, unfortunately, those are some of the games cheap does not, uh, is not a word we use with gaming anymore. <laughs> exactly. That's what I'm saying. I used to buy those things for like $5.99, $6.99. They were awesome, you know, and great for a pickup game. They usually lasted 30 to 40 minutes. So, uh, but that, that's a lot of the gaming I've been doing lately has been board games because we can do those quickly. Uh, the game I've been playing with my friends of late has been uh, Smash Up. Uh, it's another deck building game. It's a lot of fun. Um, we, we play Smash Up. Uh, what was the other one? I can't remember the other one. It's a really long name, but it's a kind of a fantasy-based, uh, you know, card game. Uh where you uh, build your spells and uh, try and uh, attack each other, things like that. So lately, you know, it's harder and harder to play role-playing games simply because the length and the amount of time and commitment. And I sadly don't have that time. So my role-playing games are usually limited to two to three times a year. If I'm fortunate, I get to play a role-playing game while I'm at Gen Con. Uh, which usually doesn't happen because I'm usually too busy talking to someone or 
doing something, but occasionally I do get to play a role-playing game at Gen Con, which is always a blast. Gary Con, which I am going to next week, uh, I do a lot of role-playing at Gary Con. Gary Con is where I get my fix in for the year. That's where I take my vacation. And then uh, after Gary Con, uh, uh, on my birthday, I, I would say that uh, Gary Con... Gen Con, and on my birthday. Usually my birthday, uh, they ask me what I want for a birthday present, and it's usually I either run a game or somebody else runs a game. Last few years, we've had a gaming party on my birthday. So those are the main time, times I get to do role-playing games. The rest of the time are usually pick-up games that hopefully won't last more than an hour or so. So that that's kind of where my gaming is right now. Well, you've mentioned that uh, that you've, you read fantasy. You mentioned comic books at one point along the way. What other kind of geeky things does the geek preacher like to do? Oh, man. Jeez. What don't I like to do? I mean, uh, <laughs> I used to design web pages. Don't have time for that anymore. So I have to get other people to do that for me now. Uh, I uh, am crazy uh, into uh, science. I love science. Uh read about that a lot as much as I can. Um, love computers, still play with my computers, though I have switched over to Mac, which has made some of my old-time friends get mad at me. I know how that goes. <laughs> but, uh, and so I, I, I do that. Comic books, uh, love to collect dice. I love to collect old figurines, Dungeons & Dragons figurines from the 80s. That's my big thing. Uh, do either of you remember the Dungeons and Dragons cartoon? Yes, I ha I happen to own it on DVD, and it brings me much joy. There you go. Well, I have all the uh, LGN figures from the Dungeons and Dragons cartoon, except for oh Mel. my goodness! But uh, I have all the LGN figures uh, pretty much right now, uh, and so I collect stuff like that. Um. And, of course, I'm a theology geek, too, so I love theology. Uh, I'm really, uh, you know, I also like world religions, so I uh, I uh, read about other world religions as well. So, I mean, I, I, am, I am pretty much, if it's geeky, I'm into it. I'm not a sports geek. I will have to admit that. Uh, you know, uh, I don't watch a lot of sports, so that is my downfall there. Uh, but yeah, anything that's pretty much known as being geeky, I'm into, uh, you know, even collect some dice. I make sure I collect some good, uh, polyhedrons every now and then. If I find a nice new shiny D20, I'm going to pick that up. Um, geez. Uh, wow. I don't know. I don't know where to stop, much less where to begin. So. <laughs> yeah. I think you did a good job there. <laughs> So as far as comic books, do you have a favorite series or is there, you know, I mean, obviously there's the, the big names or anything, but is there anything that like you still have on your pull list as it were? Uh, Green Lantern has been on my pull list for a long time now, um, but I've been getting a little annoyed with it. I do like it. I like the direction it's gone in. Uh, I'm, I'm debating on whether to keep it now that they're winding up this story arc. Uh, Dark Horse carries a lot of comics I like. Uh, one of the ones that has stayed on my pull list from Dark Horse is Conan. 
Conan has been really well done over the last few years. Uh, and then the other one that's always a must-have on my pull list, though I'm very mad at it right now, is Spider-Man. Spider-Man is a must-have for my pull list, but with what they've done with that story arc has really, really made me mad. I almost nerd-raged across the Internet over that one uh, because I really didn't like what they've done. I don't know if you're staying up with it, but Doc Ock has taken over Peter Parker's body, has all of his memories and all of that stuff, and uh, Peter Parker is kind of some ghost in his own brain. So I don't know where that's going but I really don't care for that because, you know, Doc Ock is supposed to be learning with great power comes great responsibility, but he doesn't seem to be learning that very well. Um, well, it, so those I know the, my three big sites. That was the big thing when, when episode, uh, not episode, when issue 700 came out, the, the internet yeah. was all a boil with rage is what was happening. Um, yeah, but yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see where they go with that one. Yeah. Yeah. So, but those are probably the top three titles I always get. Uh, I pick up some indie comics. Uh, Dark Horse has this one now. I forget what it's called. Uh, but, uh, it's like a compilation comic that has a lot of different stories in it. I really like it because it introduces a lot of new comic writers and artists and of course, my last one, there are others I pulled, but, but the last one has probably been one of my favorites of late. I really like what they're doing with it is the Doctor Who comic. I've been pleasantly surprised by it. I picked it up as a lark and it's turned out to be wonderful. And so I'm really, really enjoying it. Huh. I never would have figured a Doctor Who license would go over well. I, I've never even picked it up because of that. Yeah, it's been really good. The newest one is really good. I think the writing is going to pick up really well this year because of the 50th anniversary. Uh, a few of the issues were meh, but this this latest one I picked up was really good. Uh, so, I mean, I liked it. I really did. It's got the, uh, I think it's the second Doctor that's in this issue, and, and I really enjoyed that. And so I, so I kind of like that. But... Uh, but yeah, so I've been I've been pleasantly surprised. There were a few issues I really didn't care for, but overall, it, it's still on my pull list. Well, um, I think we're gonna probably draw it to a close here. Uh, we definitely thank you for for giving us your time, hanging out with us for a little bit. Hey, I, I really appreciate you getting giving me uh, getting in contact with me, Mike, Luke. Uh, I, I I I had listened to a little bit of your podcast, and I said, well, you know what. Let me go and look at them again when you asked about the interview. And then I saw you had episode 42 up. And I said, well, I definitely <laughs> have to listen to all of them. And uh, so I listened to episode 42, and I really like the format you guys have. I really liked it a lot. And I want to just thank you for the work you're out there doing and just want to tell you guys to keep it up. Uh, we need more geeks and geek preachers out there. We need a lot more geek preachers. Well, that is absolutely for uh, sure. Uh, so, Derek, how can folks find out more about you? You you mentioned you're going to GaryCon here coming up soon. Where can people connect with you online and in the real world as well? Uh, all you have to do is Google Geek Preacher, pretty much, uh, and you will find me. Uh, geekpreacher.com or geekpreacher.org is my website. Uh, I have a contact email on there, so you can find me there. Geek Preacher on Twitter. Uh 
you know, I have a Geek Preacher page on Facebook. So I, I'm fairly easy to find online. If you put in Derek White Geek Preacher or if you just put in Geek Preacher, uh, you should find me fairly, fairly easy. Uh, you know, uh, I'm not going to be like Highlander and say there can only be one, but right now there is only one. <laughs> well, I think I think Mike is doing his best to uh, to to be the number two. <laughs> hey, man, uh, no, there, in the kingdom of God, there's only one number one, and that's Jesus, man. Well, uh, I think we're going we're gonna to call so, Mike the uh, steampunk preacher. Oh, hey, man. I've got a steampunk drawing of a preacher a guy did for me, Mike. We'll have to chat sometime because uh, I like oh, some absolutely. steampunk too, bro. So where where are you guys uh, located at? I am currently living in New Jersey, and I live in California. Okay. Oh wow, yeah, y'all really are on both sides. Of the <laughs> yes, we okay. are. Oh, we we do not mess around. Hey, at this yeah, point, I'm just well, happy. It, uh, Go ahead. At this point, I'm just happy because we're getting done with this with this recording, and it's not <laughs> three in the morning, so this is a good Woof. thing. We have you on more yes. often, so I'll yes. record earlier, and Luke won't have an excuse to keep me up for all hours. <laughs> oh yeah, you don't need an excuse. <laughs> Mike, ahead, how, Mike, how can folks find out more about you? Uh, I am slowly but surely shrinking my internet presence, mostly in in because of the fact that I'm, I'm possibly going to rebuild it into something else, but that's way too hypothetical to talk about right now. Uh, I will say, however, that uh, I will put in a big plug for this because uh, it's going to happen after this episode airs. Um, Felicia Day got on the internet and declared that March 30th was going to be International Tabletop Day. Uh, you can find Woo! our event if you're in if you're in the New Jersey area. We have an event at our church. Uh, if you look up the the Stonecrest Gameathon, we are on that. So, if you're in the New Jersey area, find uh, on uh, tabletopday.com and find me there and come play games with me because I love for I love that stuff. Uh, Luke, how can people get in touch with you? Uh, uh, well, unlike you, I am slowly but surely returning to the internet. Uh, right now, the best place though is Luke Navarro. Dot com. I do have uh, another plan in the works, so that we'll be talking about on future episodes. So, Derek, man, it, is, it was great to get to know you and uh, connect with you, other than just seeing you on the uh, Facebook page. Man, it's great getting to know you guys, too, man. I, I, I am, You don't know how happy it makes me to see that there are others out there doing what you guys are doing. I mean, it, it's a really, really exciting for me, because for a while I thought there were only just a few of us, and, and I'm finding more and more and more out there. That's exciting for us as well. Yeah, that is that is why this podcast started, and Facebook has taught me that there's a whole lot of us out there. So definitely keep doing what you're doing, and we'll keep you know putting content out there. And you know God's gonna do awesome stuff, and He's gonna do it with a bunch of geeky people. And everybody out there who's listening, go find the Geek Preacher. Go check him out. Check him out on Facebook. Check him out on his website. Uh, you can also find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash GameStoreProfits. Uh, you can go to GameStoreProfits.com. You can send us email, GameStoreProfits at gmail.com. That is correct. That is correct. <laughs> awesome. Uh, and as always, folks, thank you so much for listening. Remember that God is the Game Master. And no matter how the dice fall, the game plays on. <laughs>